back guys uh for another um episode of music talks with tyler and the podcast um you'll notice i'm kind of in the same position uh as i was last week when we had our last guest uh i promise i do uh change outfits every once in a while uh, <laughs> but we're recording these back to back and we have two very special guests that we have um we just you just watched kim newcomb in the last episode and then this episode, we have another guest from uh, the Barbershop Harmony Society world. Um, and uh, it's been very special for me to get to watch all these barbershop professionals and guests um, kind of do their thing and learn from them uh, as I was the music ed music education intern uh, for them this past year, which has just been incredible. And those connections I've made there have been invaluable, but enough about me. Um, let's get to our guest today. Uh, Mr. Rob Mance is a incredible music educator, also based out of Kansas City. So um, we kind of have that in common. And unlike the last guest, um, our barbecue is better than Texas. Um, so I don't know if Kim happens to be watching this, but um, feel free to comment down below if you if you really think that Texas barbecue is better, but it's not. Um, so, uh, but yes, he's studied a lot about, um, the voice and vocal voice performance. I believe you got your undergrad in voice performance and then, yes. um, uh, got your masters in, uh, pedagogy or, um, I did, uh, did a double, um, master's degree at Westminster choir college in, uh, choral conducting and also in voice pedagogy and performance. That's awesome. 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 Um, yeah. So very, very knowledgeable guest we have um, sitting here today. Um, to start, Rob, I'd love to hear a little bit about your musical upbringing and just in general, what first got you into singing um, and what ignited that fire for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I just grew up listening to music and my parents always loved music. They always had you know, classical radio stations on, and my parents always sang in choirs. Um, you know, my dad had multiple groups that he sang with. Um, he sang, you know, in some community choirs, he sang in some church choirs, he sang in a barbershop chorus, he sang in a barbershop quartet. And so he was pretty much always singing. And so I grew up with it. And um, I grew up in uh, Montreal, Canada, and there is, uh, you know, everybody lives, breathes, and dies hockey there. And uh, and so, you know, Saturday morning, you know, when I was in elementary school, like everybody would go off to hockey practice and I would go off to choir rehearsal. So it was just kind of like, you know, I, I was just that kid who was like, uh, just loved ensemble singing so much and then that just progressed and progressed and you know kind of kind of had didn't kind of know what I wanted to do in life for a while I wanted to become an you know commercial airline pilot that was like my life dream and then motion sickness put an end to that dream uh you know and then I thought about law or public administration or you know I kind of dabbled in everything and finally one day like my sister's like Rob you really love music why don't you just do music and I'm like yeah that makes a lot of sense and and kind of haven't looked back since then so yeah I think it was just it's just been a part of my life all the way through and um 
I, I don't know what I would be without singing and, and making music with, with great people. Yeah. I love, love hearing that. Um, and yeah, that's, that's incredible. And just to clarify, would you, were your family, did your family kind of grow up in the barbershop singing or more in the kind of SATB, um, or traditional choral? Uh, both. Um, and, and I think that's why kind of, I, you know, all of my, um, you know, education is kind of more formal, classical singing, choral singing, you know, operatic singing. Um, but uh, I think my dad joined the Barbershop Harmony Society in 1967, I believe. So I think he's coming up on 55 years of membership. And then his father also was in the Barbershop Harmony Society. He was actually a, a district president about uh, 40 years ago or so in the Northeastern District. And so, um, so yeah, so there was a lot of, you know, SATB music and certainly growing up in, uh, in children's choirs. Um, but then also, you know, very frequently, if my dad's barbershop chorus had, uh, you know, a Saturday rehearsal or, or a performance somewhere, like my sister and I were um, dragged along very willingly. I don't think I, I don't think we would have let him go without us. But um, you know, we just we just loved it, and uh, so yeah, so so definitely grew up listening to all of the above. And I think that's why that's why barbershop music, uh, you know, still holds a, a kind of near and dear place in my in my heart. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of different kinds of singing, but uh, barbershop singing is just so much. fun fun and I don't know of any other genre of singing that works your ear like barbershop music does. Um, barbershop music is both, it, it, it's this bizarre dichotomy of something that is both extremely accessible and extremely challenging. So if, if you're somebody who can sing along with your car radio, you, you probably have, you know, the ability to, to join uh, a barbershop chorus out there and have a great hobby for the rest of your life. Uh, if you can carry a tune, um, you're, you're probably set. And it's very, very, very accessible to the hobbyist. Um, on the other hand, barbershop music to do it really, really, really well is extremely difficult. Um, and so it, it's this bizarre dichotomy of both being extremely accessible and very, very, very challenging. Like the challenge never runs out. There, there's always more to do. Uh, and so it can both, you know, for, for somebody who's, again, just looking for a fun hobby, it's accessible. For somebody who's looking for a lifelong challenge, um, this is it as well. So it, it's always kind of maintained a special part in my heart as well. That's awesome. I'd love to love to hear that for sure. Um, could you talk? So we'll kind of dive straight into our topic here. Mm -hmm. um, could you talk a little bit about uh, some of the anatomy behind the vocal tracks? Feel free to geek out as much as you'd like on this. Sure. Uh, but uh, it's just kind of explaining kind of what's happening here. And uh, in addition to kind of like where everything is like um, your larynx, your vocal folds, vocal cords and all, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of, um, uh, certainly a lot of misconceptions about the voice that are out there. Um, and, and those of us that have grown up in children's choirs are probably uh, a veritable encyclopedia 
on on myths about how the voice works. Uh, and I think we're we're looking to kind of bring some more pedagogically sound ideas into the choral world, into the vocal ensemble world. So um, I, I think one of the the first um, things that that we encounter that's kind of uh, you know unclear is the idea of resonance and and how do we resonate sound in the voice and uh you know you'll hear instructions like resonate in the mask or uh you know resonate in your sinuses or resonate in your head or resonate in your chest you'll hear all kinds of uh instructions like that and really with the voice we have one uh, resonator and that's known as the vocal tract and that is essentially your throat and your mouth. And what that is, is essentially the tubing of our instrument. So if uh, any of uh, your, your listeners out there have ever played a brass instrument before, um, the human voice works very, very, very similarly to the, the concept um, that uh, the brass instruments work with. And that's the idea of free resonance. And so every instrument has a vibratory source and so for the trumpet, the vibratory source is the lips buzzing against the mouthpiece of the instrument. And then those tiny vibrations are then introduced into a hollow cavity with an opening. And that hollow cavity is the tubing of the instrument. And then the opening is the bell. And in that hollow cavity with an opening, those small vibrations, they are amplified, they're made bigger, so they're made louder and they're enhanced, they're beautified. So that tiny little buzzy sound of just the mouthpiece playing, when it comes out the other side, it sounds, well, depending on who's playing it, it sounds a lot better, ideally. Um, so the human voice works on the exact same principle. So the, the vibratory source for the voice are, as you mentioned, the vocal folds, and sometimes referred to as the vocal cords, and sometimes because um, people hear the term vocal cords, they assume that um, they are um, facing up down like the strings of a cello or that they are string shaped in some sort of way. And of course they are not, they are parallel to the ground, um, assuming you're standing that is. Um, and they sit in a forward facing V and they sit kind of right around where your Adam's apple is, right behind that. And when we phonate, when we make sound, they come together from the back and they chop the air extremely quickly. Um, and so they, they are, as we do call them vocal folds um, in kind of the singing world normally, just to try to, I think, alleviate some confusion about what they are. Um, and so that's the vibratory source of the instruments. And those small vibrations are then introduced into a hollow cavity with an opening. And so what is that hollow cavity with an opening is the throat and the mouth, what we collectively call the vocal tract. That is our resonating space. And then there's an opening at the lips. And in the vocal tract, those small vibrations are amplified and they're enhanced. They're beautified. So what are we really concerned about for making a resonant sound with the voice is the shape and consistency of our vocal tract of our resonating space. You may feel vibrations in other parts of your body. So, you know, I like asking people to put a hand on their head and say, whoo, and you may or may not feel vibrations there. 
And if you put a hand on your chest and say, hi there, once again, you may or may not feel vibrations there. Excellent, congratulations, that's awesome. Um, things are going to vibrate sympathetically with our voice, uh, even possibly things outside of our body. But what are we really concerned about for making a resonant sound is the shape and consistency of the tube. And it's important to know that those vibrations those sensations that you feel in, the, in your body, those are going to be individual because we're all constructed differently. We're all built differently. No, no two voices sound exactly alike, right? And we all have different sounding speaking voices. We all have different sounding singing voices. Try as we will, we try as we might, we will always have different sounding voices. And because we're built differently, we're also going to feel that differently. So sometimes people will be like, you know, feel a buzzy feeling between your eyeballs or feel a buzzy feeling out of your third eyeball or something like that. And um, maybe yes, maybe no, you might not be built that way. You might try for the next 30 years to feel a buzzy feeling here and you never will. So it's just important to know that those are individual sensations. Um, what are we really concerned about again is the shape and consistency of the vocal tract. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, now with that, could you explain a little bit about um, what um, SOVT stands for and that, Absolutely. that relates to your voice as a singer? Absolutely. So um, SOVT, you'll, you'll commonly run into that acronym these days. So it stands for semi-occluded vocal tract exercises. Um, and so SOVT. And so vocal tract, we just talked about what that is, is uh, our resonating space, so the throat and the mouth. And of course, an occlusion is uh, another word for a blockage. So then a semi-occlusion of the vocal tract is a semi-blocked vocal tract. So essentially, it is anything that partially obstructs the kind of the, the, the bell, if you will, of the trumpet or, or, or at the lips here, typically. So, so for example, if you do bubbling or lip trills, like, so that's an example of a semi-occluded vocal tract exercise. Um, if you sing on a v or z, that can be as well. We, we, we sometimes use tools to, um, to, to facilitate uh, these exercises in, in an even more effective and efficient way. So, what we're doing here, so there are a few different reasons for this. Um, first of all, so if um, one of the ways that we see it done frequently is by using a straw. So here I have a straw and... Um, some, some of my students are very familiar with that. <laughs> excellent. Okay. Yeah, yes. But some very, of them don't know what it is. So yes, good thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. Excellent. Good. So... Um, so with a straw, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap our lips around the straw as if we're drinking out of it. And then we're going to sing out of what is essentially a really tiny ooh vowel, if you will. And when we do that, we want to wrap our lips as if we're drinking out of it so that no air is escaping at our lips when we sing and no air is escaping out of our nose. So. Um, why do we do this is uh, primarily to find greater degrees of vocal fold closure. 
So when we sing to create our, uh, our, our, our most resonant sound and our most harmonically rich sound, we wanna find a high degree of vocal fold closure. And uh, without going into too many details, so every cycle that our vocal folds close and open, if you magnify it, it kind of, kind of does that. Um, it's the essentially the, first of all, making sure that we're getting a complete closure, that we don't have any kind of gaps between the folds as they're kind of beating against each other, but also just the increasing the duration of time that they spend cycle to cycle. Um, the increasing the amount of time that they spend approximated together. Um, and if we don't have efficient vocal fold closure, we can end up with a sense of um, extra air in the sound um, and certainly a less resonant tone and a less harmonically rich sound. So we work to find greater degrees of um, vocal fold closure. It's also a more efficient way of singing. So if we have poor vocal fold closure, that can lead to stamina issues, voices fatiguing early. Um, we wanna be able to sing for hours and hours and hours and feel like we've done nothing. Um, it will be difficult to feel that if we, again, are singing with poor um, vocal fold closure. So we um, we use these exercises for um, and and it works for a couple different reasons. So so if we're singing because we're singing out of a more narrow embouchure, what that does is it increases air pressure in the vocal tract relative to the outside world. And what that does is it supplies back pressure on the vocal folds, which helps them close better. Um, so the other reasons that we do this are, um, it takes some of the work off of the vocal fold. So if you think about when we're singing, we have um, a certain amount of air pressure that is below our vocal folds. And so uh, the space between the vocal folds, we call that the glottis. And so there's a certain amount of subglottic pressure as we call it. So air pressure below the vocal folds, air pressure below the glottis. And typically whatever that pressure is, is being held back by the valve. And of course the valve is your vocal folds, right? That is the anatomical function of the vocal folds is to be a valve. So that subglottic air pressure is being held back exclusively by your vocal folds. If we increase the supraglottic air pressure, which is the air pressure above the vocal folds, then now our vocal folds need to work less hard at holding that air pressure back. Um, so it's a really, really, really kind of low impact, if you will, way of warming up the voice. So if you want to start with some SOVT exercises, it's a great way to get your voice going in a very healthy way. It's also used to rehabilitate um, either, you know, voices that are, can be, you know, damaged, et cetera, or, or, or possibly after, um, you know, surgery on vocal folds, et cetera. So it's, um, it's a really kind of easy way for the, the vocal folds to, to, um, to, to phonate essentially. Um, because there's increased air pressure as well, um, the intraglottic air pressure, which is the air pressure between the vocal folds, is higher. 
And so it's thought that that provides a bit of a cushioning effect so that the vocal folds aren't slamming together with quite the same force. Um, and then it's thought because some of the wave is reflected back to the vocal folds, it's thought that this helps shape the vocal folds in a more efficient way to find more complete vocal fold closure. And also thought that the wave kind of interacts with the vocal folds in a way that say, you know, if you synchronize your pushes with somebody who's on a swing, um, that you apply a little bit of work and get a lot back for it. Now, if your pushes are not synchronized, then that has no effect, but it's it's kind of the same thing that part of the wave is reflected back and interacts with the vocal folds and it's thought that that also helps the vocal folds close better. So it's- And your, um, sorry, and your pushes represent uh, what and like this analogy, like the vocal oh, or- Yes, that's a good point. So, so if you think about um, sound waves emanating from where the vocal folds are opening and closing. So we, we get these waves of compression and rarefaction. Um, some of those waves are going to be reflected back. Um, and that reflection back is thought to interact with the vocal folds. And so that it's, it's those waves being reflected back that is kind of symbolizing the, the, the pushing analogy. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. You can keep, you can keep, keep going if you add more to that, but, um, yeah. So, um, so just, uh, I, I would say a couple of things here. So if you're using the straw, so again, if we're singing that again, we don't want any air leaking out at the lips and we don't want any air leaking out of the nose. Um, what is, uh, if we are feeling that air is leaking out of the nose, that means our soft palate is down and open, which is opening up the passageway to the nose. Uh, the same thing that happens when you're drinking water and somebody tells a joke and you start to laugh, you have a soft palate malfunction and uh, the soft palate drops and opens up the passageway to the nose and part of the contents of your mouth come out your nose. Um, so we want a moderately high raised soft palate, a closed soft palate, so that no air is coming out of the nose, all of it is coming out of the straw. If we have air leaking out at the mouth or and or air leaking out of the nose, what that is doing, that's minimizing the pressure differential, right? We're going to achieve an air pressure, uh, superglottic air pressure that is kind of close to the outside world, which thus kind of negates the, the whole premise of the exercise. The other, you know, because SOVT exercises are pretty common these days and people hear about them and it's like, hey, that sounds cool. I'm going to give that a try. The other common misapplication that I find with these is um, that people will sometimes come in with like massive straws, you know, like the, those milkshake straws that are, you know, like an inch in diameter. And, and I'm like, okay, have you ever sung with a straw? And they're like, yeah, sure I have. And then they pop out this like massive milkshake straw and they're singing through that. And, you know, it's not to say that there's anything bad that's going to come from that, but that might not be enough of uh, a pressure differential. There might not be enough of that back pressure to make any significant difference. So one of the rules that we follow is if you're singing through a straw and phonation becomes difficult, well, the smaller the diameter 
And the longer the straw is, the higher the air pressure is going to be in your mouth. And sometimes that pressure can get so high that phonation becomes difficult. You're going to find it difficult to sing. So the general rule is if it becomes difficult to sing, go to either a wider diameter straw and or a shorter straw, and that will um, you know, make it easier to phonate. If you're using a straw and you are finding that, you know, they said this would be helpful and I'm really not noticing any of a difference and maybe it feels just like too easy almost, um, try going to a more narrow diameter straw to increase the, the superglottic air pressure. Um, so if it's difficult to sing, go to something that's wider. If you're not noticing, in fact, go to something that is more narrow. So any questions about that? Um, let me see. So uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but if you could uh, touch on a little bit more, just like as far as why they work and like why certain uh, SFVT exercises work, as well as maybe some additional, uh, like are there other semi-occluded vocal tract exercises besides the straw? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the straw works really well because I, I think it's um, it eliminates kind of any kind of variability of of uh, you know how occluded or not occluded the vocal tract is. Right, we have one kind of fixed opening where I would say like something like a bubble is really useful, but there's a lot more variability to that. Um, so in my experience, the, the two things that work really, really well are the straw. And again, because we're able to really control how occluded the vocal tract is um, by switching diameter to straw. And so, so this is kind of like a really kind of average, I don't know if you can see that, this is kind of like a really average drinking straw. Um, I don't know what that would be, maybe like quarter of an inch to a third of an inch, maybe-ish. Um, and so frequently with students, I'll start with something about that size. And sometimes that's great. Um, other times it's like, okay, we need a narrower diameter straw. Uh, and we go to that. Um, there have been two students so far that I've had where we literally got down to one of those little coffee stir sticks, you know, like the that are really, 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 really tiny. Oh, yeah, sure. and, and that was super effective for them. So it's going to be a personal thing, what is going to be effective. So again, if it's difficult to sing, go to something that is wider. If it is not having an impact, go to something that is narrower. Um, the other one that I've had um, really great success with lately is the cup. So here we have your standard red solo cup. And, um, and what we do with the cup is um, we're going to punch a hole in the bottom of it, if you can see that hole there. Yeah. And so I've, I've punched a hole. It's maybe did little... You use, did you sorry, use, say that again? Oh, sorry. Did you use like a pencil or, or pen? Like just like how... Yeah, so... Um, I, th I think my, one of my most common implements is, you know, one of those big, long cooking forks that have like, you know, two spikes on the end. I just use one of those, but any anything similar to that will work. 
um sometimes uh i'll use uh, you know like a little like push pin and then i'll take like the end of scissors and just kind of twist around until uh i get the the hole the right size um and so um so this is very similar to the straw and so what we're going to do with the cup is we're going to place the cup kind of firmly against the face around the mouth and the goal here is going to be get, to get a good seal on the rim of the cup against your face and so, so then you can sing happy birthday to you and so on um and for you to get a good seal with a cup, frequently you have to use both hands to really hold it in place. Once again, we don't want any air leaking out at the rim of the cup. We don't want any air leaking out of the nose. We want all the air coming out of this little hole at the end. So it's the exact same principle as with the straw. What is the big difference with this is because you're no longer wrapping your lips around a straw, you can actually sing regular lyrics. You can actually sing your regular repertoire uh, into the cup on regular words. So, so some people, you know, find it annoying to use the straw that they're just kind of confined to this, like ooh, the entire time. Uh, or there are some people who, uh, you know, have a history of lip tension, and having to wrap their lips around something can kind of be triggering or, or non-helpful in that area. So they'll prefer the cup as well. Uh, for those of us that have beards, sometimes it's a little more difficult to get a, a seal with the cup. And sometimes it's helpful to have various size cups on hand because all of our faces are different sizes. So uh, a red solo cup like this will work with, um, I have a fairly large head. I don't know why I have a really short body and a really big head. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But, um, but a, a red solo cup tends to work well for people who have uh, a little bit bigger head on their shoulders. For those where their head is a little bit smaller, um, we might want to go to a, a smaller uh, cup size. So typically I have various size cups on hand. And certainly the ones that are a little pliable work better than the ones with, that are really, really hard plastic. Um, so, uh, but I would definitely, as a singer, I would definitely experiment with both. These are great tools and very frequently um, the, the it, it's very common working with students with this for the first time where they try this out and they're literally shocked by their own voice afterwards. Um, how much easier it feels and how much more sound they're perceiving from their own voice. And uh, sometimes we can even use little hacks. So, uh, you know, I've done some like, you know, Zoom sessions with, with students where I'm like, okay, do you have a straw? I, I know like an SOVT exercise would be really great for the student. Do you have a straw? Nope, don't have a straw. Okay, do you have a plastic cup? Nope, don't have a plastic cup. Okay, what? do you have in the room? And we look around and uh, there was one time somebody had like an empty plastic water bottle. And I literally had that person like poke a hole in their, uh, their plastic water bottle and sing through the bottle. It, it works as the same function. So we can kind of develop little hacks like that 
Um, I mean, that's one of the joys of being the voice teacher is that, you know, don't be afraid to think out of the box to, 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 to make things happen for your students. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, and then what are like, so yeah, you kind of mentioned, um, some like practical exercises, when would be a good time, like, uh, for like maybe a student who's like kind of on this self-realization of like, when do I need to add in an SOVT, um, and exercise? And does that make sense? Like when absolutely appropriate time to, yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, an absolute fantastic time for this is, um, you know, you wake up, you have breakfast, you know, maybe wait a little bit. Um, it's a great way to warm up the voice early in the morning to make sure that we're using the voice efficiently right from the get go. Um, certainly, if you're about to um, go into a lesson with your teacher or you're about to do a lot of rehearsing uh, for, you know, maybe your solo rep or for uh, a repertoire with your choir, um, you know, do a little bit of warming up with that. Uh, and then anytime, if you're somebody who um, we've found that, okay, vocal fold closure hasn't been super efficient up until now, and so we're using the straw or the cup, and when we do that for a little bit, then we find, aha, we're getting much greater vocal fold closure. Um, if like halfway through your choir rehearsal, if halfway through your lesson, you're finding that, I'm, I'm feeling like, we're, we're getting a little bit more breathy. The vocal fold closure isn't as efficient anymore. Um, I would uh, I would absolutely you know pop out the straw or pop out the cup if if you're uh, a student uh, you know in high school and college. Uh, I, I would wor work out with my you know my my choir teacher that like hey is it cool if every once in a while I sing through a straw for a little bit? Um, this has been really kind of helping my my vocal technique but but certainly anytime like warming up the voice the first kind of warming up that you do is a great time to use it and um going into any kind of extensive rehearsal or extensive singing time um whether that's group or or solo would be a great time to use that um and one thing i forgot to say is that i i like to kind of use kind of scaffolding steps in the middle so we can um we can use you know just sing the through the straw for a while and and that's great and we can sing our re repertoire regularly and that's great too but we can find kind of intermediate steps too so um i i like to use a method which i've dubbed the hokey pokey method which um means that Essentially, you sing one phrase or one exercise with the straw or the cup, and then the next phrase or next exercise, next vocalize that you do, that then you sing that regular, and then the next phrase or next vocalize that you do, you sing that with the straw or cup. So essentially, every time you take a breath, you're either putting the straw in or taking the straw out. So you're alternating back and forth, and that's kind of a good intermediate step to um, to implement what uh, what behaviors are being learned from the the SOVT exercises. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been incredibly informative, um, not only for anyone listening, but also for me too. Um, so thank you so much for coming on here. If there's um, any 
way that they could find you or like if you have a website or any sort of um, social media, some way to uh, contact you if they have any questions or anything, uh, feel free to promote anything like that. Uh, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and I'll put uh, it down below as well. So, yeah. So, uh, I'm always happy to nerd out on this stuff. So, my email address is Mance, uh, which is M A N C E. It's like dance with an M. So, Mance.robert at gmail.com is my email address. And then uh, my, I have uh, two choruses here in Kansas City, one men and one women. Uh, the men's chorus is called uh, Central Standard. Uh, so you can look us up and like us on Facebook and whatever other social media things are going on these days. Um, and, uh, and then a couple of years ago, we formed the Sister Chorus um to to central standard and uh we named that vocal standard so um so you can uh, look us up there and um i'd love to love to chat with anybody out there who's listening and uh yeah certainly uh tyler thanks for the opportunity to chat today absolutely thank you so much for uh agreeing to be on the podcast and it's been a pleasure having you so hopefully we get to chat with you soon maybe you might have been uh i don't even know if I've talked to Rob about this yet, but you might even get to see Rob in some of your lessons. Uh, oh, cool. Maybe. Maybe we'll do a little master class here and there. But um, yeah, so thank you so much. And we really appreciate uh, you coming on today. So Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Bye.